Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hmm, I could use some help around here. What fresh hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. My seventh grader did not know how to tie a pair of shoes. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I love this chart. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I mean, my bed is not made right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we are going to answer the question, should we pay our kids to clean their rooms? <laughs> I'll be interested in this answer. There is some research on both sides of this. We're going to talk chores, allowances. Do we have them? Are they tied in together or not? And why? Yeah. But first, I have a good mailbag for you. Mailbag. Hit me. Kristen sent this over email. This is so useful. Kristen says, I have a packing hack for driving vacations. When packing for the kids and myself, forget the suitcases. I pack everything in large laundry baskets. Everything goes into the drawers when we get to the hotel. All the dirty clothes go into a mesh laundry bag. At the end of the trip, the clean clothes go back into the laundry basket, and the dirty clothes are already in the laundry bag to go into the washing machine. Voila, no more sorting dirty and clean clothes, no more lugging suitcases cases into the car. Yes, Kristen says, you look a little awkward walking into a hotel with laundry baskets. <laughs> I'm glad she addressed that part. Yes. But it's worth it when you don't have to sort three suitcases when you get home. I thought this was genius. Like laying out the stuff and then stuffing the stuff in the suitcase. Like what if you didn't have to do that part? We do a dirty bag. So I feel like we've ca- hacked part of this. We always declare one suitcase dirty bag and then everything dirty goes in that bag. I mean, we also mostly travel. We don't, we're not a car travel family. We mostly travel by plane, which you really cannot pull this off. And it also depends on your kid's age group because I remember a driving family vacation that my family had when we were growing up. I think so. I'm the oldest of six kids. And I think I was at that point the oldest of five kids, including two pretty little baby sisters. And I remember showing up for a family vacation once in like giant garbage bags, like not even tall kitchen. I'm talking like the big green garbage bags that you use for like backyard leaves. It was my dad's idea. Like what would like, why have suitcases? That's dumb. Just bring in the garbage bags. And I remember like just, it was like Cersei, like walking down the street with somebody saying shame and like banging a pot behind yes. me that, that I should have to be seen entering a 
you know, a place of residence with garbage bags. We only did that once, but the laundry basket's better. I think that's a little <laughs> that's a one too and done. Um, relaxed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure my mom still packed those garbage bags, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure she... I'm, I'm surprised that beloved Nancy <laughs> Wilson agreed to that plan in the first place, frankly. But we just did our yearly uh, driving trip. And uh, I really love a driving vacation because I'm very disorganized. And so... We pack the suitcases and then we kind of go around the house with not garbage bags, but reusable shopping bags. And it's like throw cords in like I it's fine to just be very disorganized on a road trip, although uh, maybe people would disagree with me. But yes. And then we were leaving and it if you're leaving to get on a flight, it takes a long time. But if you're leaving to go in the car, you're just like, just throw stuff in the back. We'll deal with it later. One more bag. One more bag. Yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, I liked this idea. Here's my problem, Amy. I don't know how to transition from that mailbag to chores. It doesn't matter because maybe... Well, often you do a nice, you know, and that brings us to... <laughs> but no, I think we're just going to have to make the leap. You know how I'll transition this? I mean, like implicit in this is, of course, Kristen is doing the packing for, you know, herself and the kids. She did say at the end, my husband packs his own stuff. I left it out of that because I thought that wasn't germane to the laundry basket idea. But it is germane to like you're doing stuff for the kids and do the kids pack themselves? And should they... And should you pay them to pack themselves for a vacation? I think the answer is no, but let's discuss. But we're going to discuss it. Yeah. We have discussed chores in the dark ages of the What Fresh Hell podcast, back when we still sounded kind of robotic because I didn't know what I was doing as an editor. Did you do chores growing up in your own house? No. And I think in my in the old podcast, I came out pretty strongly against chores. And I know Blair on Toddler Purgatory, they did an episode with chores and she said no chores growing up. We didn't have ever something that was called chores. I mean, we definitely were expected to help around the house, but we never had like a chore wheel like this time. It's your time to walk the dog this time day. It's your day to set the table. But you didn't have, did you have certain things? We didn't either. Like nothing on the refrigerator that related to like this week. It's, you know, is dog week. Those systems would, I remember those systems during times of utter chaos would be established, but they would never last it more than like four days. They're exhausting. Melissa and Doug makes a nice like chore chart thing that I managed to use with my own kids for like two and a half weeks, but it's hard and how much of those things are necessary. But you did stuff around the house and was it consistent or did you just live as you pleased? I lived as I pleased, Amy. I was the queen of the <laughs> castle. No, I didn't live as I pleased. I didn't have chores, but yes, we helped around the house. I said in our original episode, I think. I'm not interested in this at all. I just, I, I'm not interested in chores, chore wheels, chore charts, the concept of chores, not interested. The one episode that changed me a little bit on this was Micheline Duclef talking about... She's the author of Hunt, Gather, Parent, and we'll definitely link to that episode in the show notes. Yeah, she kind of flipped me a little bit on this one in terms of involving kids in the process. And I'm struggling with some eating problems. We fall into really bad eating habits at my house. And one of the things I was just saying to one of my kids is who's becoming more athletic and still not eating very well. And those two things are at odds with each other. And we were trying to brainstorm on like things he could eat, especially struggles at breakfast time with things to eat, which is unusual, I think, for a kid because he doesn't like pancakes, waffles, He's just not a breakfast guy. 
And I said, well, why don't you come to the store with me and we'll go aisle to aisle and we'll try to brainstorm while we're at the store. And it reminded me of Micheline Duclef, like involving the kid from the earliest time so that they're interested in helping out is a concept that resonates with me. But like chore chart, I'm not down for the chore chart. Well, this is so Micheline Duclef makes the point that when your kid is one or two and they want to be with you wherever you're doing and we give them like a little tykes broom and a play kitchen and that we should involve them because it is a little bit of a pain to involve your little kids and you can definitely vacuum faster than your three-year-old right but your three-year-old wants to vacuum and your eight-year-old doesn't and it's right around the time she argues that we're like hmm I could use some help around here and you seem able-bodied that we've spent the first developmental years of their lives shooing them away when they try to help so that yeah you should start early and often so your 13-year-old went shopping with you, and was that productive? This is still a plan. We haven't actually executed it, but we're doing it. We're going to do it this week is go. I'm going to say something I'm not even sure is true about myself or that I believe, but I'm going to try it out. I feel like chores before the age of the confirmation bar mitzvah, you know, like internationally and religiously recognized coming of age, which is 12 or 13, are fairly presentational. I'm all, I mean, we definitely were like, let's clean up the playroom all together. Everybody help, you know, but I think a lot of chores that are done with really young kids are kind of an exercise in frustration. How are you separating out? I want to like, so when you're saying let's all clean up the playroom, that's not a chore, but what is a chore in your definition? I mean, I suppose maybe that is a chore, but like everybody's going to help with everything. No. And even like... The cleaning up on, we would do, you know, clean up the playroom, but the daily cleaning up, the making of the beds, like a four-year-old just can't make their bed. And so going through the whole, like, you're going to make your bed and I'm going to teach you how. I just recently had this experience, which is maybe germane, which is that I took my seventh grader shopping and he wanted for the first time, some like shoes that are some sort of brand name shoes. And because a certain member of the family was with us, he received those shoes upon asking for them. And all this to say, they were shoe tie shoes. They had shoelaces on them, right? (laughs) Called shoe tie shoes. (laughs) At which point I realized that my seventh grader did not know how to tie a pair of shoes. Like no idea. Because he'd always worn Velcro shoes because I had three closely aged kids and I could not mess around with shoe tying. It was too much of a burden to me personally. Okay. But the time has come. Guess what? I taught the kid how to tie shoes in exactly three minutes and now he knows how to tie shoes. Right. This is my argument about like potty training and stuff. Like just wait until they're like way past the time that they're ready and the pacifier and the potty training takes 10 seconds. And I just feel like here's the thing. Pull the pants down, go put it in the potty. You're done. I mean, I think that my overall parenting philosophy leans towards just wait until they're ready and then they do it. Like now when we come home with a car full of groceries, I honk the horn or I call one of my children on their cell phone and I say, groceries, everybody come out. And everybody knows they come out and they help unload the car and they put the groceries away. And so probably my almost 14-year-old started that too late. And my 10-year-old, 9-year-old started it early. But I was not interested in like, okay, everyone make sure you have a box going into the house when they were four, five, and six. I just, I did not have the time to deal with it. 
Well, so it's you're going with the trend. I give you a, some research here. There is a um, a survey of U.S. adults by Braun Research. Eighty two percent of the people surveyed said that they had chores themselves growing up, but only twenty eight percent said that they require their own children to do chores. And when asked why, the sort of reason that people came down and it's like, our kids are busier than we were. Like when my mom came home from the grocery store, I was definitely hanging out in the backyard in the summertime. I wasn't at soccer camp and my bassoon lesson. You know, I was hanging out. I might be reading a book under a tree. I might be playing wiffle ball. I was definitely available for assistance. And I think our kids aren't and they have these busy lives. Like I'm thinking about like my um, kids have a lot of homework. I mean, certainly a lot more homework than I did at their age in grade school, high school, a lot like med school homework. And after dinner, they're scrambling to eat dinner so they can get back to work. And I do often on a weeknight, give them a pass, like just get your plate over to the somewhere in the area of the dishwasher, like good enough, right? Because you're busy. But the truth is every night they're busy. And the truth is, you know, the 90 seconds that they would take or the 15 minutes that they would take to clean the kitchen with me and talk to me. I give them a pass on that. Yeah. So let me give you a, a pro chores and why kids should do chores study. As just a sort of counterpoint to this. Okay. There's a psychologist named Dr. Marty Rossman. She believes that chores, giving kids chores at an early age helps teach them self-reliance and mastery. So she started studying them when they were in preschool. Then she interviewed them again when they were around 10 and 15. And then she interviewed them again when they were in their 20s. And her studies found that kids who were given chores to do at ages three and four were more likely to have good relationships with their family, more likely to be successful in academics and in their career, however that was defined, and more likely to be self-sufficient than the kids who didn't start chores sooner. You know I hate these kind of studies. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> because I don't know what's being studied there. I think that kids who have parents who have the time to have their kids do chores, have different kind of households, different kind of outcomes. Right. I mean, I don't know this study. I don't know what the parameters of it were, but I fundamentally do not think that chores and life outcomes are linked in a profound way. I don't believe it. I've hit on something. I think I understand what this is about. Kids who grow up a house where like they're home by themselves every day after school and mom doesn't get home, single parent household, mom doesn't get home till eight o'clock, like they're doing chores, right? right? Like they're deciding what's for dinner, but nobody's calling them chores. Like with the word chores, I think to you and to me too, now that I think about it, assumes parental oversight, assumes like overthinking and charts and direction by you as opposed to like, I just got back from the grocery store, everybody in the yard to help me. Yeah. And the thing is, obviously, letting your kids do things for themselves is important. And I believe that. And I try to practice that. And I've talked a lot about it on the podcast from a young age, which is like, here's money, five-year-old. You go to the snack stand at the town pool and buy something and bring me the change. And like, there's a million little ways. Everybody grab a towel when we're getting out of the car to go to the town pool. It's not chores. It's you are part of the system of this family and you have roles within that system. And then certainly there have been times where we have a wood burning stove in our house. And so it requires logs that are for boring and annoying reasons about the shape of our house stored like three levels below where we actually need them. And certainly that was something when they were maybe 
six, seven, and nine, I said, I bet you guys can do this. Like, you have to fill all of these log things, you know, and they, the three of them were down and up and down the stairs and bringing logs. Like, I guess that's a chore, but it's like having an eye for what can you do and what can you help with, I'm all for. And being part of the family system, I'm all for. But chore charts and chore wheels and like you will become a more responsible human being because it's your turn to feed the dog. I don't have time for it. You just don't have time for the oversight. Right. So it's like you're, you, I don't have time for the oversight. It's the self-sufficiency. You're teaching your kids self-sufficiency without a ton of structure around it. That seems to be what you're arguing for. And that sounds good to me. <laughs> Maybe that's it. All right. Let's take a break. And you're going to tell me if this is the right approach or the wrong approach. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. This totally makes sense to me, the idea like, you know, chore schmores, like kids should do what they can do when they do and be self-sufficient, which by definition means you're not standing behind them to give them a sticker because they remembered to fill the dog's bowl. But here's the other like sticky wicket around kids helping around the house. Let's call it like, right. you can call it chores or you can call it like your bed's made every day and it, that's what you do. Should we be giving our kids an allowance that is tied to them helping around the house. There are people who feel very strongly on both sides of this. How does that go at your house? 
I feel very strongly that we should be giving our kids an allowance. I don't know that the tying it to chores is interesting to me. We kind of tie it to chores, but it again, that falls away immediately. And I think I just believe that like, if it's something that you're having to come back to all the time, we say this sometimes at work, right? Like if there's something on our collective to-do list about the podcast or our business that stays on the to-do list for four months, I often say there's something about that that we don't need to do or shouldn't be done. You know, like I, listen to your to-do list. If you're not getting to it, why? Maybe it's because it's annoying, but maybe it's because it's just not part of what you're trying to do. And I think the chore stuff and tying it to the allowance, I mean, what ends up happening is we need our kids to have an allowance. Yeah, let's go back to that with just the allowance. Why do you have an allowance and how does that work? Our kids want stuff. So again, we used to do allowances when they were, you know, five, six, and eight. It was ridiculous. Like it was all, oh, okay, but here's a doll. It just, who could keep track of it? We then, when they became tweens and wanted to buy complete nonsense 24 hours a day, like road bucks and, you know, Fortnite outfits and, you know, stuff that they wanted independently of us, we then started giving them allowance. So we were not having this conversation a hundred times a day. So we give our kids $5 a week as an allowance. And if they want to play Roblox and buy whatever crazy things they want to buy, or they want to have special weapons in Fortnite that they have to buy, they have to spend their own money on that. We never really did an allowance, but we did have, we called it Bank of Mom, which was all the, oh my gosh, the $10 they got from their aunt for Halloween or whatever. I kept all of that and I kept track of that. And when they wanted Roblox stuff, I had to come out of the bank of mom. And it's very valuable because they think twice, right? Like, mm, I don't really need to spend $20 on Beyblades if it's my money. <laughs> I guess that's part of it too, right? Because we get first communion money, birthday money, whatever. Right. That, it just kind of goes. Our kids actually through our bank have an ATM card now. So they have. Oh, that's great. My sister uses another system, but there's ways and it's like tracked. It sends you a text whenever they spend money. And so. I have three children and one of my children has a lot of money in the bank, like maybe $500, $600 in the bank. I have another kid who has like negative $47 in the bank because they've borrowed against, you know, future earnings. And then I have uh, another kid who maybe has like $100 in the bank and spends pretty regularly, but like keeps that balance. So it's funny to see their different personalities come out. But I do think that's right. Like having them have authority again, to me, it's 12 and 13. And because I have three closely spaced, my younger one has access to it a little bit earlier. But I think there is that 12, 13 year old early adulthood phase where they're ready to. And then sometimes like I, our garage is a mess and it's coming up to the winter time where we want to actually put our cars in the garage. We just leave them out all summer and let the garage fill up with garbage. I need the garage cleaned out. That's worth 50 bucks to me if somebody wants to do it. You know, I'll pay them to do a big job. I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but that is what some experts have said. Ron Lieber, who was just on our show, he wrote a book called The Opposite of Spoiled, and he suggested that he says, you know, paying your kids to unload the dishwasher every week, no go. But paying the kids to clean out the garage, like the big task, the sometimes task, the like, we're going to do this heavy lift together, we're going to 
scrape the paint off this door, that's okay. But this sort of, you bring in these groceries from the car should not be paid. But other people totally disagree. So I have some pros and some cons for paying our kids. Should we go through that? All right. Hit me. Hit me. I can't imagine paying a kid to bring in the groceries, but maybe you'll surprise me. Gia Miller, she wrote an article for the Washington Post saying, yes, I pay my kids to do chores and it's amazing. So she has, she pays her kids a quarter a day to do different tasks. And the reason she did that is because she learned quickly that making it like you get $5 a week or like, I'm not saying it should be $5, it could be $2, whatever, but that was too arbitrary for her kids who were sort of grade schoolers, that a quarter a day was something that they could understand. And she also took the task. She started big. She started with nine tasks and color-coded and charts and whatever. And she pared it way, way, way down, started simple. Every day that you, I forget what the three chores were, but let's say you make your bed, you get your stuff out of the hallway when you come home and you bring your dish over to the sink after dinner. You get a quarter a day for those things. And she was like, it works for me. It works for me and I don't care. I mean, she was writing one of these articles that's like, disagree with me, I dare you, right? Like, I think paying kids for chores is awesome. And some experts back her up. There's a psychologist named Cindy Graham who says, parents, she encourages people, yeah, sure, pay them to do chores. And she hears back, well, isn't that bribery? But she says, how many adults will go and work out of the kindness of their hearts if they're not getting paid monetarily? Reinforcement is built into who we are. It pays to go to work. We don't do it for free and kids aren't any different. Yeah, I mean, the counter, this is the kind of argument that it's just like, yes, you could fight it for a billion years. If it works for you, it's totally fine. I don't think that the argument that adults get paid to go to work has anything to do with what we're talking about because I don't get paid to clean up my kids' socks. So, like, they shouldn't right. get paid to clean up their own socks. It's this kind of, as you said, like magazine slash like Twitter argument that's like, come at me, I dare you. I don't care if you give your kid a quarter to do those things. I think having some routine, which we're terrible at in my house because our operating system in my house is total chaos and then occasional order. That's how we operate in my house. <laughs> Super scramble. Yeah. Order restored. It's like everything's a mess. And then on Saturdays, we kind of write the ship and go back to one. And like, that's how we operate. So I am not interested every morning in walking around and being like, is your bed made and your stuff clear from the hall? Because here's your shiny quarter. That's my hell. I don't want to do it. Yes. But if you were right and you don't care if their bed but is made. But it's fine. If it works for you and you want the beds made in the morning, Knock yourself out. Like, that's totally fine if that system works for you. But I'm going to use, you know, I have a word of the year. Mm -hmm. And my word of the year just emerges. It comes to me. Like, I start saying things and I'm like, that's my word of the year because I've said it a hundred times. This is morally neutral. Like, having kids who do make their beds every morning and kids who don't, totally morally neutral. There's no better or worse in those scenarios. Unless you're somebody to whom it's very important that their beds be made. I mean, I think morally neutral is more like, if that's not important to you, that's also okay. If that's something that's deeply important to you and you're willing to pay your kids to do it, then do it, I guess. I still think it's morally neutral because if it's important to you, do it. And if it's not important to you, don't. But there is no inherent value in it. There is no morally better or worse. It's just about what you prefer. Well, I mean, some people would disagree with you. They'd say that you're teaching them self-sufficiency, that you're going to, I think about this now, I have a kid who's pretty messy, who's going to be going to college pretty soon, and I do think about the roommate, <laughs> and what are they going to do? But you taught all your kids the same thing, as did my mom. 
Uh, yeah, but I let it slide. I'm making beds for sure. And now, you know, this is a kid who I guess will know how to clean up after themselves, but maybe not. And I guess they'll figure it out as an adult, but it's not so nice for the people that you live with always. But my own mother put a huge priority on like making your bed and, and order and like this has to be done. And I just rebelled against it my whole life. I was a messy, disorganized person. I remain a messy, disorganized person. And like, if you could see behind me, my bed is not made right now. I'm sitting in front of my bed. That's why I have a screen up because my bed is not made. My perspective on it is that you should set up systems that make the most sense for you. So for me, the chore wheel and the daily bed making, I've let go of. And I don't think my outcomes are that different. My kids are now 12 and 13 and they're starting to do this stuff. Like, I don't think that over investing in two, three, four, five, six year olds doing chores makes a huge amount of difference to whether or not your 12 or 13-year-old does chores. I mean, I think it probably makes a 12 or 13-year-old that's more self-sufficient than somebody who didn't. But again, your child will learn to be self-sufficient when they leave the house and they'll be maybe more or less ready to leave the house, but leave the house, they will and they'll become self-sufficient. Like maybe you don't need to have a 16-year-old who knows how to make a great omelet. Like maybe that's not, <laughs> maybe that's not important. <laughs> I guess it's chores, too, because like definitely like my kids do their own laundry. You know, I don't help them with their laundry anymore. Right. So somebody would say, well, they do do chores. They do laundry. But chores to you means oversight. I guess that. Right. It's a little bit maybe how we're defining it. Chores to me means like you get a shiny quarter for and that I have found does not work for me at all. But yeah, I think that leaning in, this is more the Micheline Duclef thing, maybe leaning in my kids. We were on vacation this week and three meals a day. And I started saying to my kids, you figure out lunch. Well, I don't know how to make a sandwich. Well, you're 13. It's a great time to figure it out. And like, otherwise you could be hungry. Right. But maybe I should have taught you how to make a sandwich when you're six. But guess what? You're going to figure it out in about 10 seconds because you're a hungry 13 year old. Exactly. That's a good point. What would you say? Because the other reason that it seems to me that you should give your kids an allowance that's tied to chores is otherwise you're giving them an allowance just because like otherwise they're getting money for nothing. And what's the point of that? That would be the reason to give them. You get $2 a week before that. You have to make sure the dog is fed every night. I think for us, we, what do you say, couch it as, okay, you have a lot of stuff you want that we think is useless and worthless, like Fortnite axes. And so we are going to give you $5 a week. That is your money to do whatever you want with. Now, Mrs. So-and-so down the street also has a dog that needs to be walked. She's willing to pay you $8 every Saturday to come walk the dog. This other person down the street, you know, may have other tasks to do. It's like you have a baseline of $5. That's your universal basic income. And then beyond that, like, if you want more money, you know, you can X, Y, Z and figure it out. Occasionally, I might say, okay, we need the garage cleaned out. There's $50 on the line. If you want to split it up, go for it. If one of you wants to do it. And so like, I think there's a lot of money concept behind that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But and it's useful. Yeah, I think it's really useful. And I it stops me from having the daily debate, which is what spurred us to do an allowance of can I buy this Fortnite axe? <laughs> and it's like, well, how much is it? $8. And then sometimes I would say yes. And sometimes I would say no. Now it's like, you have your money, you manage your own money. Yeah. And it's up to them to decide, is this worth waiting a whole other week? Was this worth like a week of dog walking to get this axe? Maybe yes, maybe no. 
Yes. Or was it, or is it just worth a week of being alive? Because yes, we definitely do our allowance as universal basic income. Like you don't do anything for it. Okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, I have another study that I immediately see the flaw within. So you're going to love it. Oh, I love a flawed study. We'll be right back. (laughs) Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Doing chores with your kids. Fantasy versus reality. Fantasy. Everyone come pitch in and we'll clean the playroom. Many hands make light work. Reality. Oh, for God's sakes, we've been here for two hours. Here, just hand me the train pieces. I'll do it myself. For the love of God, just stop whining. Fantasy. This chore chart will let us know whose turn it is to do the dishes. Reality. This chore chart will help mom estimate how many of Nana Sue's glasses will make it through the rent cycle. Fantasy. I read an article on Facebook that says that you guys are old enough to help mommy bring in the firewood. Reality. Ma'am, we've had a report of small children hauling logs on your property. We need you to come down to the station and answer a few questions. Fantasy. Boys, the lawn is all yours. Go rake those leaves. Reality. No, the rakes are not weapons. Please watch out for your brothers. Okay, let's go to the ER. Okay, so I thought we'd talk about the people who say like, no, 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 you should never 
tie an allowance to chores. You shouldn't pay kids to do stuff around the house, right? Sure. The reason that some experts give, I read an article that Jenny Wallace, she's a friend of mine, wrote for the Wall Street Journal about chores and paying kids or not. I'll put the link in the show notes. And she said in her article, studies suggest that paying kids for chores makes kids less intrinsically motivated. And I was like, do they? Let's go find Mm -hmm. out, right? So I go down the rabbit hole. Does money as a motivator make kids less intrinsically motivated? That's accepted as fact. Like everybody knows that that's true. So when I actually looked at it, the studies that have been done, and a lot of studies have been done on does making money make us less intrinsically motivated, whatever that means, they were all done on adults. They weren't done on kids. Mm-hmm. And they, when they would say like somebody who said, the more likely somebody was to say like my money is my primary motivation for doing my job every day instead of I just love the work I do, the more likely they were to be not that excited about the work that they did. Like if they were really motivated by money, they didn't love their job that much. Sure. And that just seems like, well, sure, because they'd have a different job, right? And unfortunately, too many of us who do things we love maybe don't get paid enough or whatever. But none of this has anything to do with kids, I don't think. I mean, I think it makes sense. And like, I'm definitely coming to our topic today being like, it's all nonsense, people. But like, I think it's worth thinking about. I have a kid who is extraordinarily lit up by money. He loves money. He, when he was like two years old, drew a picture of a guy with fistfuls of cash and it said, I got the money on top of it. Like (laughs) he loves money. He always has. He loves fancy cars. I mean, cars I've never even heard of. He loves fancy things and he always has. And then I have other kids who just, I mean, I have a kid who is just was under interested in money in a way like here's your money and he's like I don't don't care at all to a degree that I was like okay you actually have to care a little bit more about money it kind of as they say makes the world go round and so I think that any study that's like x equals y for all kids is obviously bonkers right I think that teaching my I love money and I always say he and money it's like a raccoon washing a sugar cube to eat it like it's gone before it gets in his mouth like that's my money loving kid I mean he loves money and he loves to spend it and he's the kid with negative $47 in his bank account and maybe always will be but is it important to teach your kids to be part of the system of your family and have them to not wait on them hand and foot yes yes obviously is it important that kids understand fundamentally before they leave the house how money works and the value of money and the fact that like money is just not everywhere and that you have to like think about how you spend it. Yes. How you get there and whether or not like I give you a quarter to do a chore, then you become a person who only works for money. I mean, only cares about the quarter. I think, well, the studies do show that the more you focus on money, the less you focus on being motivated by your altruism and your love of humanity. Like, but of course that's true. Like, if you tell me if I finish this you know, thing on time, I'll get $100. Of course, I'm just thinking about the $100 and I'm not thinking about like, I love this chart. Right. And likely you'll finish it more, right? That my guess is if you did a study where you said, go on this race and you said nothing else, that people's times would be longer than if you said, there's $100 for whoever wins this race. My guess is that would motivate people in that way. Right. But in terms of Big picture motivation, I think a lot of this stuff is not as, you know, X equals Y as we try to make it out to be. Maybe we're trying to put too much like when... 
I guess we're coming down on don't do a chore chart unless that's something you're into doing because it sounds like a lot of work and a lot of structure. And then when you're tying money to it, again, like these are lessons your kids need to learn there too, right? That money has value and it doesn't grow on trees. And sometimes you have to work hard for something that you want. And sometimes you have to wait two weeks until you walk the dog again to have enough money for the Fortnite acts. And then there's you're a member of this family. And when there's groceries to be brought in the house, everybody does them. And when it's time to clean out the garage so that the cars can go back in, like that's our Saturday morning. And no, you don't get five bucks for that. Or maybe you do if it will get you through that morning with your kids complaining less, but that those don't have to be completely intertwined and complicated into this system that sounds like a lot of work. I think that's right. And I think that Micheline Duclef's point is great that like if you're cooking, invite your kids to be part of that. If they're two, if they're six, if you're not trying to like make dinner and you need to get it done, in which case it's fine to not invite your kids to be part of it. If you're cleaning, oh, mom's helper, like get the broom and they're just kind of spreading it all over the place. Like it's fine to involve your kids. But I would say in my experience that all of these issues go from being kind of imaginary to more real at the age of 10, 11, 12, 13, Mm -hmm. where it's like you're starting to say to a kid, okay, here's $5 a week. If I give my six-year-old $5 a week, they just don't, they truly can't understand it. It's developmentally not appropriate for them. They don't save, they don't get it. If I give it to my 11, 12-year-old, it's like, okay, I want that Fortnite X. That's two weeks worth of money. Now I'm starting to put some things together here. And similarly to my 13-year-old, I can say, I need these six things done this week. I need you to, I just have a busy day today. I just said to my kids, while I'm working, I want you to unpack, you know, all everything in your backpack, clean it out. Like, here's it. I guess that's kind of a chore. Yeah, I guess. But it's their own backpack, right? That's what I'm sitting here thinking. It's your backpack. But like, you've got to do these things today. Yeah. and But do it when you want. Do it how you want. You're not getting paid for it. But again, to a six-year-old, to the executive function that is needed to do some chores. One thing that I will say is we had Casey Davis on the podcast and from Struggle Care and she talked, and this really was a light bulb moment for me about there being certain things in a room, right? That like any messy room has, I don't remember exactly what the things are. It's like dishes, laundry, things that have a place, things that don't have a place and garbage. Right. Things that have a place in that room somewhere and things that have a place, but it's not in this room somewhere. I think we're the five categories. And I think that's been helpful for me with my kids is that she talks a lot about, and we don't think about this, you have to teach kids how to clean a room. Yes. They look at a room in the same way that like she talks about and struggle care, people who are struggling with depression or other issues that are getting in the way of cleaning. And I've had that not only just with mental health, but with being a messy person that I just look at a room and I'm like, it's too overwhelming. I can't deal with it. I'm going to walk away. That if you can help kids break stuff down, like, hey, go through your backpack Anything you don't need goes in the recycling bin. Anything you need for later, put in your cubby that we have in the house for you. Anything that is messy, like take it out and re-put it in. I think if you give them structure and steps that can be done, and that's what we now say to our kids at the end of every meal, everybody on your feet, scrape your plate, rinse it and put it in the dishwasher. Those are the three steps you need to do to be done with your meal and your cup. And then later it's, okay, the other dishes need to be done now. Like everybody, I'm going to help show you how to do a dish. And then in our family, the rule was always anybody over 25, stay and talk. 
And like the idea was like the kids go do the dishes in the house. The young people go do the dishes. That was that reminds me. We had a very popular post on our Facebook group page recently. Somebody had a rule for the swimming pool that the person who had the least children was the one who had to be in the pool with the kids. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Like the fun uncle has to be in the pool with the kids while the moms of many get to sit around and talk. Love it. Yeah. I mean, that's it. But I think that finding and leaning into every opportunity, because this is something I probably missed more because I just felt so busy because I had these three kids who were always around the same age. Like, I don't really have time to have you guys help clean up the playroom. I just want it clean, you know? But I do think leaning into the thing of like, I'm hungry. Are you old enough to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'm saying eight years old is old enough to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm -hmm. And then I I will have to say to my kids all the time, one of my kids made breakfast this morning. The most important part of making breakfast is cleaning up the dishes after breakfast, you know, or the deal is you make the breakfast, I'll do the dishes. But, you know, baking cookies is not mixing it up and putting it in the pan and then leaving half of the cookie dough there. Like making cookies means when I go in the kitchen afterwards, I don't know you were there making cookies. That's what it looks like. And just leaning into lessons And then start figuring out, like, I have a kid who really likes doing laundry. He does a lot of the laundry in the house. I have another kid who really likes the kitchen. She helps more with the cooking, you know, and and just figuring out, like, where kids can be helpful. You have kids, too, that'll be in different places, right? Like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, yes, I have a child who is very motivated by American Girl. And let me tell you, that's some expensive stuff. So I had a kid who, from a pretty young age, would do whatever it took to save up enough money to get Tenny's microphone. You know, like she was very motivated and would do whatever. And P.S. like is a kid who really, really has her act together and her room can get messy, but I know that eventually she'll get around to it because it'll bother her enough, right? I have another kid whose room will get messy enough and then it will continue to get messy and it doesn't bother this kid that much. But also that kid, I actually did approach the cleaning of it, tried to get away from the like, clean that room, clean that room and did the Casey Davis thing. And it really helped like going in with a garbage bag and a laundry basket and saying, let's start with the garbage. Okay, now let's do the dishes. Yeah. Okay, what are the things that, okay, you know, whatever the five things were, the things that belong in this room, just not where they are right now, let's put those all in the bed. The things that belong somewhere, but not in this room at all, let's put those in the laundry basket. And I could see this really working for this kid, this sort of approach. And this kid kind of needs me there. And that's okay. And I think that's smart to recognize. And I have a kid. One of the other things we try to do is like, yeah. Okay, friends come over when the house is clean. And that, that connects. It's kind of, we talk about spaces and places and like, it feels to me like, okay, our space, we can kind of live in it because we're kind of slightly messy people, but we clean it up when people come over. That's kind of how we roll. And that is what really makes us comfortable. Now, if you stop by unannounced, that's on you people. I don't know what you're going to see. And that's not my problem. I will apologize. But again, don't stop by unannounced. But, you know, Sunday nights, we generally have the family over for dinner. The house is clean on Sundays, you know. And so for my super messy kid, I say, I know you want to have a friend over, but you can't have friends over in that room. And this toy that you love that has all the pieces, they're getting stepped on and broken because, you know, of the mess and just trying to connect stuff. But I think for me, the most important lesson is that like messy and neat, it's fine. Live the way you make the choices you want to make. But then like at a certain point, 
you want to be able to find your stuff. You want to be able to have this order. And so like, let's figure out how we do that together. And I think that helping show them how to do things is super, super important. It occurs to me, like, so if you're somebody for whom chore charts and everything sounds super stressful, then don't do it. And you don't mind the house being a little messy, then you are under no obligation to teach your four-year-old how to sweep, right? In order to be a good parent or to have a, a child who will ever in their lives learn how to use a broom, like they'll figure it out. And on the other hand, if you are in a house that's overwhelming you and you want more help than you're getting, it's okay to ask for it and it's okay to put this stuff in place to try to get it. And sometimes the structure can really work for stickers and things like that for little kids can be really motivating. If the work of doing that is worth it to you to get the help with the cleaner house, it's just a different kind of work. Yeah, I would just offer solely from my perspective, it doesn't have to work for everybody that this stuff is going to come together when they're in their tweens, as long as it doesn't mean like you wait on them hand and foot and they're spoiled brats. Obviously, like you're like, oh, help mommy carry this. You have it naturally as part of your day. Like, oh, you take your plate in. You know, it's all the little parts of being in the household. But I felt like I stressed out a lot about like, oh, my God, I have to make the kids make their beds. And I, I don't know. I would just say it's going to come together later on, as long as you're practicing the very, very basic fundamentals of it. Of the very basic fundamentals of there's stuff to do around here and sometimes you're going to have to do it. Yeah. Lend a hand every once yeah. in a while. Yeah. Be part of this while we're all doing stuff. If we're all out picking up leaves, like the two-year-old picks up handfuls and doesn't really help, but they're part of yeah, it. Yeah. That, that's enough. You don't need to lean into this and make this another thing for you to stress about and have new work I'm team over. lean out, lean <laughs> out, lean out. <laughs> An allowance. I don't know where I come down. I solved it for myself, Amy. I solved it for myself. I see benefits on all sides of this stuff, but I think if you're paying your kids a quarter a day and you have you know, a clean front hall and that's working for you, then keep doing it. Make it work. Now, one chore we do need you to do for us is to leave a rating and review of the podcast wherever you listen. Make sure you're telling people to be listening to the What Fresh Hell podcast. We have a huge back catalog now. Lots of topics have been covered. Send them to your friends. Rate us and tell, spread the word, friends. That's your chore for the That's week. That's just your general, right. And we'll give you a quarter and a gold star if you do it. <laughs> Mommy's happy now. <laughs> Mommy's happy now, friends. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening. So long. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking